0: Hello, welcome to Workplace Wakeup. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week I spend about 15 minutes covering key legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests and providing some entertainment to start your work day. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Today, we are talking about leaves of absence. This is going to be important for many of you who have already signed up for our workshop. We have a 2-day workshop on Leaves of Absence coming up soon. Make sure you register for it. Space is limited. This is an area of employment law that is so expensive when we mess it up. So what I want to talk about today is just a few of the most common and unfortunately most expensive mistakes we make when we're administering Leaves of Absence for our employees. So first of all, keep in mind, everyone, there are different laws out there that impose different requirements in terms of leaves of absence, right? So you all know federal law has the Family and Medical Leave Act, which requires there to be 50 employees within a 75-mile radius of where the person is requesting leave is working. In California, you only have to have five employees to be subject to the California Family Rights Act. We have pregnancy disability leave in California, which is the same thing. We actually have a slew of leave of absence provisions in California. We now have a new one for 2024 called reproductive loss leave, leave for employees who um, lose a pregnancy, who miscarry, for example. So there's a lot out there in terms of leaves of absence. So. What are the most common mistakes that could cost you a ton of money in court? First of all, you're operating your workplace without anyone being a specifically assigned to handle leaves of absence. This happens, believe it or not, in very large companies as well as small, um, teeny tiny nonprofits. Right where. People generally know the rules, so the administration folks generally know, yeah, there's leaves we have to give people, and yes, there's certain paperwork we have to do, and yes, there's certain things we have to make happen, but no one holds the ball. And as we all know, when no one's actually responsible for holding the ball, it becomes slippery to everyone. Just think about the training you get on CPR and first aid. I will never forget my very first training, probably, oh my gosh, 40 years ago. Yeah, about 40 years ago. And one of the things that really stuck with me is don't assume someone else has called 911. When you come up on the scene of an accident, you have to say, I'm going to call 911. You get a blanket. You get flares. You go move this vehicle, right? Someone has to take control. Otherwise, we all assume everybody else is doing the job that we're not doing. So somebody in your organization must be assigned to handle leaves of absence. I don't care if you've only got five employees. That doesn't have to be a full-time job. It can be part of 20 different things that an employee does. But someone needs to hold the ball, Someone needs to make sure that they understand what is going on and they are responsible for the administration process. Now, related to that, whoever you choose for that role has got to know what they're doing. They're not going to know everything. I learn new things about leaves of absence every day. But they have to be trained. They have to know the basic rules. They have to understand what documents need to be provided and when and what the files are supposed to look like and what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. Those are all critical things. That's why we have our workshop for beginners and our workshop for advanced folks. We have two different workshops during the year because the beginners, the folks who are new to this, they need to know the basics. They need to really understand the essence of leave administration and what the nuts and bolts are, not the tricky overlaps and what do you do with benefit continuation and all of that. That's important, but that's a higher level. When we're talking about just knowing how to administer these leaves of absence, we need someone who knows the basics, okay? They understand what leaves may apply based on the size of the organization and what they need to be doing. So giving them some formal training is critical. You may get lucky. You may find someone who's already been trained who can do it. That's great. But don't hesitate to take somebody smart and give them this responsibility and give them the training they need to help them get where they need to go. All right? Now, a word about third-party administrators, okay? A lot of folks take the position, well, it's too hard to do this ourselves. We just want to hire someone externally to do it. Okay, and there are lots of companies that do it. Couple of caveats. First of all, many of them are not compliant with California law. They tell you they are, and then when you ask questions, you immediately realize they are not. So buyer beware on that, okay? If you're going to use a vendor, you have to make sure they know what they're doing. Second of all, the vendor can't do everything. The vendor is going to have to partner with HR because all of these leave of absence situations are one-offs. There's very specific facts that come into play that you need to be able to focus on and make sure that you're clear in terms of, or the person who's handling this is clear in terms of what the requirements are, okay? Okay. So you can use a third-party administrator, but that doesn't get you totally off the hook, and it can create liability for you if they don't know what they're doing. Number three, you've got to have processes. Okay, so number one, you got to assign someone to handle this task. Number two, that person has to be trained. they got to know the basic rules. Number three, you have to have processes in place, policies, procedures, so everybody understands, okay, What is supposed to happen now? When do I notify the healthcare provider? What form do I give? So the doctor will give me the information I need to determine if the person's eligible for leave. All of those processes and procedures need to be in place. And we have a packet that we give to all of our clients. It's free of charge. We go through, it's a huge packet. We go through all the forms, everything they need. But even with that you're going to have questions because things don't always fall in the neat box you would like them to, right? So you've got to have processes and procedures, and then you've got to be prepared to change them when something comes up, to change them when you are in a situation that doesn't quite fit the model or the template and you've got to figure out how to tweak so this is where we have clients who maybe call us twice a year they don't need us a lot but they call us on leaves of absence because that is where they really feel like they need some guidance all right now the fourth thing you've got to remember is consistency now there is a difference between being consistent and treating everyone the same You are not going to be treating everyone the same when we are talking about leaves of absence. Everybody has a little different spin on their situation, okay? But consistency means you follow your processes. You follow your procedures. You do what you say you're going to do. And if you don't like it anymore, if you don't think the process works, if you don't think it's effective, if you don't think it gets done what needs to be done, then change it. But don't keep a policy or process or practice or procedure that doesn't make any sense, that you're not following, that you're not doing. What you write down in a policy or a procedure is what you should actually be doing. And when there becomes a disconnect between what is written down and what you're actually doing, that's going to create inconsistency. That is a huge, huge boondoggle for plaintiff's lawyers. When you are treating people inconsistently. So be very, very careful in terms of what you're doing there. The other thing, number five, that I want you to think about is turnover. You may train someone to be your LOA administrator, and you may want them to work with you for the rest of their lives. You love them. They're amazing. They come to work on time. They do everything well. They are incredible team members. They always want to do what's right, okay? That all sounds terrific, but sometimes people leave, Sometimes people don't stay as long as you want them to stay, and you need to have some backup. So it's really important for even if you only have one person trained in the job, that there is a backup. There is someone who can stand in if the regular person is on a leave of absence or has some other challenge or they leave the organization All of that is very important. Now, when you go online and you look at LOA administrator jobs, you'll find a lot of them. In fact, I'm looking on Indeed right now, and there are 172 LOA administrator jobs. Some of them are remote jobs. Some of them are in person. Um, The pay ranges significantly but they're out there, okay? So if, if you need to hire someone, you can find someone to do it. Like I said, I'm really learning that we're doing really well hiring more junior lawyers and training them. We have a crew of amazing senior lawyers who have been with us forever, and they're fantastic. As we're looking to hire new folks, we've tended to hire a little more junior And we're training them, and it's working out well. So there's nothing to say that you can't take someone who's been in a different role and help them learn how to do LOA administration. But you've got to make sure that you've got some backup. So it shouldn't just be one person who knows what's going on. The number six thing I want you to think about, and this is the last one, and it's really important, everyone has got to be on the same page. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say you have a person who handles workers' compensation claims, and that person is separate from the person who handles leaves of absence. You may not be giving someone who was injured at work with a leave of absence because the workers' comp person doesn't think it's covered by the FMLA, by the Family and Medical Leave Act. That person would be wrong. It is covered. It doesn't matter if it's a work-related injury. But we have to be incredibly careful about that. So when we're talking about how to manage these issues, okay, and how to make sure that we really understand what's going on in the organization, everybody's got to be on the same page. We have to be rowing toward the same goal, right? So when you think about that, it's really important, I think, to have monthly meetings With anyone who's involved in leaves of absence, I do this with a lot of our clients where we have monthly calls, sometimes even weekly, where we talk about all of the pending leave of absence issues and how we're going to deal with them and what additional information may be needed. And we keep very careful checklists and um, charts of which ones we've addressed and why and how to really look at the process of leave administration in the most efficient and the most effective way so the only way you do that is making sure that you have really trained people you have people who understand their obligations and they're willing to share the information you can't have information hoarders when it comes to leaves of absence yes we need to be discreet we need to not share information with folks who don't have a need to know it But working together when you have a workers' compensation claim, you have somebody who may have a family member who's ill, something like that, you're going to need to talk to a number of people. Some of you may recall um, a couple of, um, maybe a month or so ago, we were talking about associational discrimination under the Fair Employment and Housing Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act and how many times an employee will ask for a reasonable accommodation related to a family member, but if the employee doesn't have a disability, they're not entitled to an accommodation, right? What they're really asking for is to not be discriminated against on the basis of their relationship with that individual. You've got to be able to spot those issues. So when you have someone in an LOA administration role, you've got to really be sure that they understand the big picture as well as the minutiae. Failing to do any of these six things that we talked about, this is why people get sued. And juries love to award huge verdicts in these kinds of cases because they look at the plaintiff, the person who um, has gone through what they believe to be the discrimination, for example, and they see themselves. They see a relative, right? They see a close friend, and they figure, this is wrong, this person was entitled to a leave of absence and they didn't get it, or it was cut short when it shouldn't have been, or they tortured them making them go to seven different doctors and that wasn't necessary. The employer actually had the information they needed from doctor number one. All of that has to be dealt with on a team basis, collectively. So even if my sister, as many of you know, runs an amazing Uh, Clinic in uh, Capitola uh, with her husband, where they provide rehab services and uh, healthy living and um, gym workouts and all of that to the whole community. And they don't have a ton of employees, but she has people who need time off. She has people who need to be gone for a certain period of time for a medical issue. She's got five employees, so she's got to comply with the California Family Rights Act she's small. She doesn't have someone who does that separately, but the whole team is involved in making sure that everybody gets what they need. So this should be on your list for 2024, everybody. If you're not doing everything we've talked about here today, get it on a list, figure out how to make it happen. It doesn't have to cost money. It's going to take you some time, but it is well worth it. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Have a great morning, everyone. Workplace Wake Up, including our guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without first consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. You can also follow us on LinkedIn Twitter and Facebook, and email us at at infoshawlawgroup.com.